Community Church, welcome to a brand new series that has the absolute best title. We've entitled this series, The Grudge. Isn't that just great? We're going to be looking at The Grudge for the next several weeks. So let me ask you this question as we start off. How many of you have ever held on to something and you knew it wasn't good for you? And you wouldn't let it go. You continued to hold on to something despite the fact that it was doing you no good at all. Well, that's what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks, how to let go of some stuff that is just not serving you well. We're going to be talking about forgiveness. I want to credit an author by the name of Craig Rochelle as we find our way through the next few weeks. So who here has ever held a grudge? The answer to that is, I think, 100% of us. Who here has ever been offended by somebody They did something, they said something, and as a result, you were ticked off, and you were upset, and you're angry, and the last thing that you wanted to do was to forgive them. I've still got stuff, I think, rattling around in me that I have forgiven and forgiven and forgiven, and then what happens is, I think about the offense, and it might have even been years ago, and then all of a sudden, I'm I'm like angry again. And I, I question myself, man, have I, maybe I never, ever forgave them because I seem to be back at square one, ticked off all over again. Having the pretend conversation, come on, be honest, of if I were back there, man, this is what I would have said and I would have put them in their place and I would have had the perfect words said in the right way at the, at the right time and I would have belittled them and I would have won the day. That's not good. Church, I'm not alone, Right? Give me an amen. I'm not alone in that. This stuff goes through our heads because we've all had stuff done to us. Everybody has been injured or wounded by somebody. Maybe they said something. Maybe they did something. Maybe you were betrayed. Maybe there's a bit of gossip. Maybe you were passed over and forgotten and neglected. And the truth of the matter is that stuff just hurts. I think most of us struggle to know what do you do with that? Well, these next few weeks are going to be transformative. Amen? These next few weeks are going to be transformative for you. God is going to get a hold of stuff that you're holding on to that's not doing you any good, that has caused you to become embittered, and you've got such a tight grip on this stuff, and God's going to break into your life, church. God is going to break in, and he's going to take chains off of you. Do you believe that, church? That God is going to break into marriages. God is going to break into friendships. God is going to break into relationships and bring healing in places where there's been real hardness in your life. We're going to talk about the faith to forgive. Next week, we're actually going to look at the big, big, massive betrayals. The huge wounds and hurts where it was, it was significant. We're going to talk about reconciling with God. We're going to talk about forgiving God. And I know that we don't need to forgive God for anything. God is perfect. He never sins. But the truth is, some of you are holding a grudge against God. Because you believe God should have done something for you. He should have gotten you out of some situation, prevented something from happening to you. We're also going to talk about forgiving yourself. Sometimes you get to the point where you believe that God forgave you. You might even believe that somebody else forgave you. But you won't forgive you. You will not let go of regret and guilt because you feel like you ought to be experiencing that. So we're going to talk about forgiving ourselves. Today, we're actually going to look at something that is so 
unbelievably prevalent. It touches, I think, everybody's life. We're going to talk about small offenses. Little things that happen that quickly bring you to a place of bitterness. So, Mount Pleasant, Alma, and everybody online, I want you... I, let me ask you, how many of you would say that you can be quick to be offended? How many of you would say that you can be easily offended? And that it's actually easy to be offended by something, in all honesty, that it's fairly small and it's fairly trivial. In fact, you might find yourself tripping over things. Somebody just rolls their eyes at you. Somebody has a tone in their voice, and you don't like the tone. Somebody forgets to say thank you, and you did something nice. I can get so offended when I'm driving, and I let somebody in, and I don't get the wave. I don't get the nod. The Bible says you're supposed to give the thank you very much, the thumbs up. The, I, and I'm sitting there going, you didn't, give me the, you didn't give me the good thumbs up and the smile. If it weren't for me, you'd still be back there, but I could have left you, but I didn't leave you. <laughs> you can get offended by tiny stuff. You can get offended by a friend. They don't respond to your text, and you're upset. Or they, they're slow to respond to you. And you know they've read it because you see those little dots. You see the bubbles. They're there. And they're like, I know you, I know you saw this, but you never got back to me. We can get so offended on social media. What people post, if people comment, what they comment. They commented on a friend's post, but they didn't comment on my post. Or if somebody, dare I say it, unfollows you. This is the unforgivable sin. Church, this is the world that we live in today. I think more so than any other time in my life, I have a heightened awareness about this. There is this tiny, small, insignificant, nitty, little, gritty stuff, and we are so quick. We are rapid to be offended. And then we get upset, and we call foul, and it's not fair, and I'm going to judge you for what you did or didn't do, and we are so quick to become bitter. The truth of the matter is, I've got my own stuff in all of this as well. And I'm not joking you, you really need to be frank for my poor wife. Because I can get ticked off about little stuff. And my wife knows all about this. My children know all about this. In fact, even as I'm preaching this, I feel so bad for, for the staff in this church. I'll, I'll be, I'm not even joking you. Sometimes I am a pain in the neck. And the word, you may or may not know this, the word, I'm not even joking you, and I'm embarrassed to say it, to describe me is this. I am particular. I am. And I know this about me. I can be picky. I have this terrible, terrible tendency to want things done a certain way. Now, of course, I would describe that as the right way, the proper way to do it. But I'm not even joking you. I know it's not good sometimes. Kelly, this is ridiculous. The other day, she lovingly, kindly said, I'm going to make you a sandwich. And she went, go make me a sandwich. And then I came into the kitchen and she had laid everything out. And she's like, I didn't want to put a sandwich together because I know you like it a certain way. I mean, that's just cringe that she was afraid to make me a sandwich. That, so I need you to pray for my poor wife and pray for my children and please pray for the staff as well. Because what it is, is that it doesn't take much for that internal stuff to get sort of uh, the switch to go, and all of a sudden I'm like, mm-mm-mm, that's not the way it's supposed to be, and I'm bothered, and honestly, honestly, 
small stuff. It doesn't really matter. Listen to these words. If you are on a continual search to be offended, you will always find what you're looking for. You're always going to find it. You're always going to find some way to be offended and bothered and upset about something or someone. And I'm telling you right now, there is never, ever, ever, ever a win in living offended. When have you ever said to yourself, I'm actually doing so much better because I'm offended, because I'm upset about something, because I'm bitter. I'm having a better day because I'm bothered by something that in the scheme of things is really pretty small. I feel stronger because I'm carrying a grudge. My relationships are actually richer because I'm offended. I'm closer to God. I'm making more of a difference in this world because I just have accumulated a bunch of small, insignificant little things that have bothered me. And I let them get under my skin. I'm so happy today that I'm living offended. When have you ever said that? Church, your life is too short and your calling is too great to be offended by something small. That's a huge statement. Your life is too short and your calling is too great to be offended by something small. And your life is moving. Your life is passing you by. And your calling from God to love this world is so great that you're going to be sidetracked from what is way more important because of of something that is incredibly small. Some of you, in fact, every one of you, I'm telling you right now, you are desperately needed. And I mean that word. You are desperately, desperately needed for kingdom work. I see this every day, every day. And you probably do too. You are needed to speak words of encouragement, care. You are needed to have conversations where you come alongside somebody and you actually give them godly counsel. You're needed to speak prophetically. You're needed to care for a friend and to encourage and to help. You're needed to correct a situation or a person. You are needed to write letters of love. You are needed to share the gospel. You are needed to mentor somebody who's struggling or depressed or contemplating suicide to listen to a a down and depressed mind and heart. You are needed to pray for a marriage that is on the brink of divorce. God's calling over you is so unbelievably strong. But you will never do these things. You will never do them. You will never do these great things, these right things, these important things. Honestly, more important than your nine to five. More important than the usual distractions that plague us. And it's not because you don't believe in these things. It's not because you don't even want to do these things. You recognize that the kingdom is actually the most important work of your life, but you will fail to be present in your calling simply because you have been tripped up and embittered and entangled in the bait of this teeny, tiny, small, ridiculous, unimportant little exchanges that have caused you to become upset and filled with a grudge and bitterness and brought you to the place of unforgiveness, and you miss it. You miss it. Proverbs 19.11. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook, to overlook an offense. I'm going to 
overlook this. I'm over this. I'm done with this. Now, how is it possible to overlook an offense? I've got this grudge. I've got this small stuff that's just irritating me, that's bothering me, that's upsetting me, and it's clinging to me. How do I get to the place where I say, I'm done with that. I'm over that. I'm not going to continue to live in that grudge. I'm not going to travel with that anymore. How do you grow past the daily temptations to be offended? And there is one answer to that. Let me put it like this. We close the gap with love. Can we say that together, church? We close the gap with love. Everybody online in Alma and Mount Pleasant, together, one more time. We close the gap with love. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. We close the gap with love. Love is going to cover the offense. You see, there's this dynamic in every single relationship, in every interaction you will ever have. There's this gap. This is what I mean when I say we close the gap with love. There's this tiny little gap. There's this small moment between the action of the person, the thing that they did or the thing that they said. Then there's this reaction that you have to what they did or what they said. And in between their action and your reaction is this micro moment where this other person perceives and understands, okay, this is what they said, this is what they did. And then you decide in that tiny little moment, in that gap, you interpret what they did or what they said and you make a decision to how you're going to respond. There's always an action, then there's a gap, and then there's your reaction. Church, you get to choose what you put in the gap. You get to choose the content of what you will insert into that micro gap. Now, a lot of the time, truth be told, we're not very good at filling the gap. We're not very good at interpreting other people's actions. How many times have you said something or done something and the other person's reaction to you was actually completely wrong? They were actually off. And you, you want to say to them, oh, why would you respond to me like that? That's not what I meant. Why would you interpret my words in such a terrible way? That's not what I was meaning at all. That's not what I was trying to do. That's not what I was trying to accomplish. That's not what I was saying. In fact, you could not, you could not have understood me in, in any worse manner at all. And how many times have you done that to somebody else? They did something, they said something, and you took it in the worst possible way, and you were actually wrong. You are literally attributing certain specific things to people. And that's what I'm saying about you right now. There is something that you are attributing to somebody else. Listen to these words. It is the bias to attribute to our own behavior. It is the bias to attribute our, our own behavior to our circumstances. Okay, so I acted in a certain way, but I did so because of my circumstances, all the while attributing someone else's actions to their character. Now, that's huge. In the New Testament, the Pharisees were experts at that, and Jesus had no time for it. They interpreted their own behavior in the best possible way. 
while interpreting everyone else's behavior in the worst possible way. And the truth is, we all do this. We're attributing, attributing our own personal behavior to some external factor. Oh, that's not my fault. Um, you know me. I would, never I would never talk like that. You know me. You know that there must be a good explanation that I would say that or that I would do that. But then we look at somebody else and we attribute their bad behavior to their character. So they do something and immediately we say, well, they're not a good person. Me? Maybe I was having an off day. Or it wasn't my fault because there was some stressful situation there. But it wasn't me. But you do something bad, you're a bad person. She's not good. She's always doing things like that. Well, he's just rude. They're inconsiderate. That family, they just need a little bit of Jesus. But not me. That's just a misinterpretation. I would never do anything like that. And we do this stuff all the time. We look at ourselves in the best possible light. You walk into a shop, some kid is throwing a wobbler on the floor and freaking out, and they're flailing, and it's screaming, and it's a tantrum. If it's your kid, there's a really good reason for that, right? They woke up early from their nap. They didn't have their snack. They just are having a rough day. If it's somebody else's kid... <laughs> You look at them, you're like, you are raising a demon-possessed terrorist, and we need to call security. But not my kid, but your kid is like that. You know, give me a break. There's a good reason for my behavior, but not you, you're bad. And there's this gap. And you get to choose what are you going to put into the gap. We have a spiritual enemy, Satan, the devil. One of his titles in Revelation chapter 12, he is called the accuser. It says he accuses all day and all night. He is fluent in that language. He is particularly good at calling you names and reminding you of your past and your mistakes and your regrets. That's what he does. The devil wants you to fill the gap with, and here's the word, accusations. The devil wants you to fill the gap with accusations. He's the accuser, and he says, I want you to be like me. I want you to act like I act. He wants you to become fluent in the language that he's fluent in, accusation. Oh, she's always like that. Don't trust him. Everybody's in it for themselves. The devil wants you to close the gap with accusations. But what is that going to accomplish? Well, what do accusations do? Well, accusations erode marriages. Accusations split friendships. Accusations destroy churches. And the devil wants you to fill every gap that you can in every area of your life with accusations. But God wants you to fill the gap with love. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9. Whoever would foster love covers an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. So what does love do? Well, love gives the benefit of the doubt. Love chooses to believe the best. Love trusts the other person. Love hopes. Love offers a kind response even in an ugly situation. Love is patient even in a difficult situation. Patient with a person who's being very difficult who you probably think what they're doing is wrong. 
Simple stuff. If my wife, Kelly, says, hey, Alan, have you taken the bins out? Have you taken the trash out? The devil would say, quickly fill the gap with, who does she think she is talking to me like that? She's insinuating that I'm lazy. I, I, I do more stuff around here. And the truth is, she's not. That's what the devil wants me to fill that with. Now, how about I just go, maybe she's just curious if the garbage got put out by the side of the road. Again, it's small stuff, very simple. Somebody doesn't respond to your text. Well, the devil says, well, go ahead and respond with accusations. Oh, she's too busy for me. She's too good for me. Who does she think that she is? See, love doesn't do that. Love assumes the best. Maybe she's busy right now. Maybe her phone, her phone ran out of battery. Maybe she just forgot. We're good friends. She'll get back to me when she can. I trust her. I love her. Love is going to assume the best. Ephesians chapter 4. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Would anybody here like to have allowances made on your behalf? I would. And Ephesians is telling you, would you do that for others? Why would you do that? Why would you make allowances? Why would you think the best? Why would you hand out mercy and grace instead of accusation and blame? Why would you do that? Because God loved us and God made allowances on our behalf because God sent his holy son, Jesus Christ, to forgive us because he went to the cross because Jesus never accused you because Jesus extended grace and mercy to you. And now I'm gonna have grace and mercy. In fact, I'm gonna have a ton of that for other people in my life. God made allowances for others Maybe I should behave like my father. Maybe I should love them. Maybe I should fill the gap with love. Imagine someone else's behavior that is actually not about you. I think this is the case so often. Their bad driving has nothing to do with you. It's not personal. Their bad mood is not about you. Maybe they have their own battle. Maybe they had awful news that day. You would like others to think the best of you. You would like others to give you the benefit of the doubt. So as followers of Christ, we will be so quick to do that for other people. Why? Because of this thing called love. Now, what if somebody's just plain rude to you? What if they really are just deliberately, intentionally unkind? Well, I try my best to realize if someone is really being unnecessarily hateful towards me, they're probably going through something that is causing that kind of behavior. Here's the thing. If you want to make a real difference in the world, you're, going to, you're just going to meet people that don't like you. And if them not liking you is going to stop you from making a real difference in the world, then you never will. You've got to learn to stay above those offenses. Whenever somebody's attacks, whenever somebody is unnecessarily harsh, and they really, really are, you try to fill in the gap with love. I wonder what they're going through. I wonder what kind of hurts they have in, this, in their own life that is causing them to behave like this. So instead of being offended, can I move to a place where I actually have compassion for them? Do I do this perfect every time? Yes, I do. I'm a pastor. <laughs> no, I don't. Of course not. But can we get to the place where we fill in the gap with love? What allowances can I make? Because of my love for people, I wonder what they're going through. If you put accusation in the gap, you will be offended every time. You will carry a grudge with you for the rest of your life. 
you will never wake up, never, and say to yourself, I'm in such a better place today. I hate him. I can't stand her. She's an idiot. I'll never forget the way that they spoke to me, but I'm in such a good place. I feel great. I just love my life, and my relationship with people has never been better because I am getting offended all the time, multiple times every day at teeny tiny insignificant stuff. My affection for God is now maxed out because I'm carrying all of these small grudges about these small things that in the scheme of my life really don't matter at all. Proverbs 19.11. We read it before. Let me read it again. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. It's to your glory to overlook an offense. It is God honoring to overlook an offense. So what does it mean to actually overlook an offense? Well, I would say this to you. It is not pretending that it didn't happen. To overlook an offense is a conscious decision to just let it go. It is a form of forgiveness in real time. I'm not going to carry this for weeks until I get to a place where I finally say, okay, I think I need to let this go. It's in the moment, real-time decision to stay above the offense, to forgive the offense so that you can move on with God's calling in your life. I'm done with it. I'm over it. Instead of focusing on the fence, replaying the fence, which I've done many times, going over the offense in my mind, when I should have just said, I'm done. I'm over this. I'm forgiving. I'm choosing to let this go. This isn't going to weigh me down or hold me back or distract me from what God is calling me to do to move forward. Not invited to the party. That is not going to ruin the next four days of my life. I'm over it. Somebody makes a snarky comment on social media. I'm over it. I'm not going to let that be in my brain for the rest of the day and pull me down. Your mother-in-law criticizes your children. Well, actually, that's a completely different category. You can't... No, I'm just joking. I'm over it. I'm not going to let that ruin my day and my week and my month. My calling is to love. My calling is to represent Jesus Christ, and I'm not going to let the enemy slow me down. This is one of the most divisive, destructive tools of the evil one. And in our culture today, it has never been more prevalent in my experience. People are just offended by everything. Church, don't be one of those people. That is not following Christ. Listen to me, church. Nobody has ever changed the world by walking around offended. Nobody has ever changed the world by walking around bitter. This mission that we're on, it is all about love. And I'm telling you, if you're going to walk around bitter, you're going to struggle and you're going to limp your way to responding to what God has called you to do. The calling ahead of me, the calling ahead of me is greater than the offense behind me. My life is way too short and my calling is way too great to be offended by something small. I'm over it. My calling to love, it elevates me and it lifts me up. My purpose in Christ lifts me up. I'm not going to be pulled down by smaller, lower offenses in this world. And there's always a gap. Church, what do we do with the gap? We're going to assume the best. We're going to show compassion instead of just being offended by it all the time. I'm forgiving in the moment, real-time forgiveness. Church, this series is going to be transformational. Amen? 
This is going to be transformational for your life, for your marriage, for your friendships, for your workplace. I don't want you to miss a single week. God is going to break into your life. Listen to me. God is going to break into your life, and he's going to break down some chains. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe it? Amen? All right, let's pray. God, would you help us now to show love in all circumstances when there's a gap? Lord, for those who are listening to me right now, and they know they are privy, so prone to just being quickly offended, Lord, I pray that you would pour out your grace on them. Lord, if that's you today, I want you to literally say this right now. God, I need your grace. God, I need your grace. Just say it. God, I need your grace. Lord, we need your help in this. Would you burn these truths on our hearts? Every time that we're tempted to be Lord and offended, to be distracted, God, would you call us higher? Would you call us to real-time forgiveness? Lord, we see you right in the middle of your execution, still in the process of dying. While you were there in real time, in present time, while you were being betrayed, while you were being abandoned and executed, in that moment you are speaking forgiveness. Help us. Help us, God. Help us with our online interactions. Help us to represent you well, to close the gap in a way that would honor others so that we could share with the world that Jesus loves every one of them. God, I ask that these upcoming weeks, that cement walls of unforgiveness would be broken down in the name of Jesus Christ, and we would be set free as your children. God, we cannot wait to respond to your truth as our Father. Thank you, God, for forgiving us. And together, the whole church said, amen. Praise God, church. Anybody here grateful for his forgiveness? Amen. Anyone grateful for his mercy? Yeah? How many of you would say, I am just so glad for his grace. I'm so grateful that he filled a gap in my life with his love. And let's recognize his greatness right now. Church, let's stand up together and let's worship Jesus.